0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, the Lord's been speaking a phrase to me the last few weeks that uh, actually gave to me years ago, and I forgot about it. But the title is, The Kingdom of God Doesn't Change, It Changes Things. The Kingdom of God Doesn't Change, It Changes Things. And... As we go through this, by the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, will going to show you some things that it doesn't make any difference what's going on around you. In Luke 17, verse 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God's within you. And so you have the kingdom of God in your heart if you're born again. I want you to go up to Matthew chapter 6, and uh, I, I think about our church's mission our vision is to equip God's people for victorious Christian living. And there's nobody, there's nobody in the whole world that should miss out on God's best no matter where they live at if they listen to the Word of God in their heart and then they act on and put into practice what God's Word says. But in looking at the Kingdom of God, I see it this way. How many know that in every kingdom there has to be a king. Somebody rules the kingdom. The Bible talks about the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, God's kingdom, and the kingdom of Satan, etc., etc. And so, in the kingdom of God, Jesus is the king, and His kingdom never changes. I want you to get this again. We're looking at where we're coming from. This phrase that the kingdom of God doesn't change—it changes things. And so Jesus is the King of His Kingdom, and Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The Word of God never changes. And so the things that Jesus decreed and ruled through His Word, ages gone by, still's the same. He's still the King in our hearts. And so, because His Word never changes, and He never changes, will be on our believing, our speech, and our lifestyle, at our lifestyle, at our lifestyle, at our lifestyle, up with our King and His kingdom principles, our realm of influence will more and more be what Jesus prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. And you know, this principle started off in the Garden of Eden. God's the one that made the heaven and the earth. God made the garden, but God put the man in the garden. And then when you read that, you'll see that God even led the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. God's the one that told Adam, I want you to keep and to guard the garden. He said, you can eat anything in the garden you want to, but one tree don't touch. The knowledge of of good and evil. And so Adam... Broke the commandment. He didn't live the lifestyle God told him to. He ate the wrong thing when God said don't do that. And that was the fall of the human race. And then, of course, God was so good he sent Jesus to buy us back and give us back a new life. And so, I've always looked at my family like this. My family is my garden. I'm the Adam of my family. And I'm not going to love my wife like Adam loved Eve. I'm the one that has authority in my garden. I'm the one that God put the grace on to lead my family. And my wife has the grace of God to help me lead my family. And it's obvious that Eve did not have what it took to do the spiritual warfare that God had. It says that when you read that, it says that as she gave to her husband with her, Adam stood there and he wept out. Amen. And so the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. And so when when Adam whipped out, it affected the whole world from then up until now. Because of what one man did, one man's decision. And of course, Jesus redeemed us so we could change our world. But the fact of the matter is that what we decide to do with what we know to do from God's word determines the quality of life our family will have. You know, I've said so many times since this pandemic and all these th- horrible things have happened for the last year that, uh, I can preach the word of God. Pastor Dave, we can preach, we can teach, we can lead. I cannot guarantee the safety or success for your family because I don't know how you live. I don't know what you do, how serious you are with the word of God you hear. I can guarantee the safety and success of my family because I know how I'm going to lead my family. I know what I'm going to do with the Word of God, I hear. I know what we're going to say, how we're going to live, but nobody's looking but God. You know, that's one thing we have to get the revelation of. That no matter what goes on, Jesus said, God knows the number of every hair on your head. And, you know, the older I get, the more I think about how awesome God is, that every time a bird falls to the ground, Jesus said, your Father knows it. Jesus said, your Father feeds the birds. And so when I think about how awesome He is, why would we want to do things in private we wouldn't do in public? And so that's why I say, that's why I say, I can't guarantee your success. I could put everything out there that I know from the Word of God. We can be the examples we know to live, but what you choose to do is your business. And so I know that one time, you know, like I said, when you get to be an older guy that's got a lot of in you, things just come out because you want to help people. That's what we're all about. But I remember one one time a few years ago, I can't even remember who the person was, but they told me, said, Pastor, you know what I like about this church? I've grown so much since I've been here. Said, you take the responsibility off of God and you put it on us. There's the God part and there's the man part. God's already written out everything that he said he'll do for you. He tells you your part you've got to do. And, you know, a lot of people, because of religious teaching, Brother Hagin used to say it this way, too many people have been religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. Religiously brainwashed. That means that they've been told things by people that based upon their experiences in life about what they think was God, but it's not the Bible, and so then they, they believe things that somebody's told them, but it's not Bible, so then when they hear the Bible, they don't know what to do with it. And so we as believers have to know that everybody's not going to get saved. Well, you do know, if John three sixteen said, "God's so the love of the world that whosoever believeth." Romans chapter ten, "Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." I mean, the Bible is loaded with verses that tell you it's the will of God that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. But everybody doesn't call upon the name of the Lord when they have the opportunity. Everybody doesn't say, Jesus, I want to be born again. And so the other Bible principles are just the same. You know, he said, how do, how do you respond to hatred? You turn the other cheek, you prayed. you curse not. What do you do about financial lack? Bring the tithe in the storehouse when it's ever opened. And so God just over and over and over and over tells you, here's what I'll do if you do this. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And so the husband said, I want her to submit. Well, sir, are you treating her like Jesus does? Amen. So the Bible is loaded with things that tells us what to do. And so today we're going to look at the kingdom of God doesn't change. It changes things. And so Matthew chapter 6, Pastor Dave was here, but I'm going to read verse 31 to 34. And in the name of Jesus, everybody's going to see something they need to see today to help them live a better quality of life. He said, therefore, take no thought saying, and he's teaching about your needs being met. Take no thought saying or worrying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or where are we going to get toilet paper? Amen. That that was one of the things, if it was modern times, that he could have put this passage last year, where are we going to get toilet paper? And He's talking about the natural things of life—eating, drinking. Wherewith shall we be clothed? And did that kind of question people have about a lot of things last year? Where are we going to get this at? We're got to, to be the first in life. We're going to get any of it. Well, let's talk about worrying about the natural things of life. And he said, "For after all these things, do the Gentiles seek? And for, for, the, sake of, for the sake of the teaching, let's just say, for all these things, do the unsaved people of the world seek? They're all seeking the same things." He says, your Heavenly Father knows that you have need of toilet paper. And I'm not saying that to be funny. He knows that. He knows you have need of food, clothes, whatever it is you need, he knows that. But he says, but, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about today, the kingdom of God. He said, first of all, instead of getting up early to get in line to get your toilet paper, get up early to read your Bible. Instead of worrying about if everybody's going to be ahead of you, there won't be anything when you get there, he says, first of all, get up and pray. Find out what God's got to say about the day. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be taken away from you. You want me to tell you why I say that like that? Too many Christians that I've known have thought, if they lay down something else to work church services in, they're going to lose out. Well, Jesus said just the opposite. He says you put Jesus first, and Jesus is the head of the church. He's not the head of the casino. He's not the head of your job. He's the head of the church. And if you make him the head of your life, he will be the head of your job, because if you listen to him, you'll be a better employee or a better employer. Amen. We said, all these things shall be added unto you. Well, Christians that don't put God's kingdom first, they find something else out there always they've got to do. And the devil's happy to oblige you to tell you all the things you've got to do. And you can't have time for church. Well, you know, I, I look at that like this. It's like making a grocery list. There's some things on your list. If your mom got kids, that's the priorities. And, you know, they'd buy bread, milk, cereal. Whatever it is you feed your kids, those things got to be first. And then at the bottom of that list is the sweets, the potato chips, and the stupid stuff. Well, if you put all the stupid stuff first and have no time left for the healthy stuff, then your kids aren't going to be healthy. And so too many Christians live their life that way. They put the stupid stuff up here and then down at their bottom as an addendum, just And by the way, if there's time, we might go to church this month. Does that tell you why so many Christians don't live a victorious Christian life? They don't obey the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that is righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Simple way to say this, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, For tomorrow's going to have, uh, take thought for the things of itself, sufficient as the day is evil thereof. He says, tomorrow's going to have problems too. Don't worry about the problems. You do today what you know to do, and then tomorrow you'll handle tomorrow too. But if you don't do what's right today, <clears throat> you're never going to be able to handle tomorrow. And so anyway, years ago, on Matthew 6, 33, that really just got got into my crawl where I kept praying about that thing about, seek you first, seek you first, seek you first. I thought, I am born again. I've, I've got the kingdom of God. I am born again. And so then the Lord, the Lord led me to do a study on that. And in my paraphrase, Here's what I saw from those different words in there, Matthew six thirty three. Make it your number one goal in life to go for the expansion of God's kingdom. Go for the expansion of God's kingdom, and He will take care of everything else you'll ever need in life. That's what Jesus says. Seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things are added unto you. And if your number one goal is to go for the expansion of God's kingdom then God said, I'll take care of everything else. Don't worry about anything else. Cars, gas, houses, rent money, house payment money, retirement, health insurance, whatever else you need, Jesus said, put my kingdom first. I'll take care of everything else. And so God's kingdom is made up of God's family. Right? Isn't that what it is? The kingdom of God is made up of people? God's family. So for God's family to grow... Means there has to be new babies born into the family. Uh, Julie, you are a good example with the big belly in the front row. The samples kingdom is growing because the samples family is growing. The samples family is growing because new babies are still being born into the samples family. We have a, we have a new grandchild down in Georgia going to be born in what, March? In March. We have a possible new grandchild going to be born in Indiana. And I know we'll have more grandchildren coming out of New York. And at least one more coming out of California. And so our family is expanding because new babies is coming in. And so if the kingdom of God is going to expand, to have got the new babies in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go first for the expansion of my kingdom. So our number one thing as Christians, our life has got to revolve around getting people transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God's kingdom is the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God is. And so, and so, as believers, as believers, we've got to, we've got, we've got to get this, I'm going to say something, we've got to get this into our heart and our thinking. Every time a person leaves Satan's family to come born again to God's family, God's family expands and Satan shrinks. I'm talking today about the fact that the kingdom of God never changes, but it changes things. And so think about how much better the Christians in the book of Acts were when Saul of Tarsus changed families. It it changed the whole world. still is because Saul ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And I think about myself. When I was born again... On January 29, 1980, Satan lost a serious sinner. I was a serious follower of the kingdom of darkness back then. And ever since then, I've led as many people as I can into the family of God. I've made it my priority to go for the expansion of the kingdom of God. You never know who that person is you're witness to, or what God will use them for. And you know, I, as the older I get, get to be a pastor of a great church and I watched the grandmas, and I watched the men and women spiritual leaders in this church, the teachers. I look at the Copies back there. How many years you guys are in that nursery? 25 or 30 years, probably. 30 years? A long, long time. The Copies were in that nursery for a long, long time. And how many babies did you guys influence, I wonder? And I wonder what those babies are doing now. They're all grown men. Probably some of them grandmas and grandpas by now, even. (laughs) But I, I think about that, and... <laughs> I'm older than you are, so don't worry about this. i still got rank. But anyway, as I think about that, I was raised in a sinner family, and the only Christian I honestly knew was my Baptist grandma. My Baptist grandma would take the kids to Sunday school. That's why I think about you grandmas in here, and even you men, and the, the leaders in here. I'll never forget when I was in the eighth grade, I got really serious about it. I got, I got, I got born again the summer between my 8th grade and freshman year in high school. Didn't stick with it a long time, but I did. But anyway, I think about the influences. I can still see some of those adults' faces back then because my family was Drakers and just all kinds of other things. And so I remember my Sunday school teacher's name was Mr. Wynolda. I still, I still remember him in Sunday school class teaching John chapter 3, You Must Be Born Again. I remember him teaching John chapter 2, about You've Seen Me, You've Seen the Father. I still see his face. I remember Mr. Wynolta had a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And he wasn't like today's a lot of long-haired guys, stuff like that. Back then, you know, they had stuff around. He was just a regular family man with a wife and kids. I remember one day, one Saturday morning, my dad and mom was still hungover from Friday night, so they probably didn't even know he came over. But I remember Mr. Wynolta wanted to know if he could come and take me and my brother for a ride on his motorcycle. I still remember Mr. Wynolta coming over with that big motorcycle a Christian man, had taken us for a ride around, around the city on his motorcycle. That, that was just so awesome. But even today, that guy influences me. Back in Indianapolis in the 1950s, 1960s, we had a thing called religious education, what was that would call daily religious education, or weekly religious education. And the, and, and the neighborhood church was able to come down. There was two old women. They came down, and one class at a time, they'd walk as a block to the church, and they give us a Bible lesson in public school time in the church. I can still see those two old women's faces. I can still see things they talked about at that church when I was a little kid. And so what I'm saying is this. They were going for the expansion of God's kingdom. And so between my Baptist grandma, Mr. Wannolda, and those weekly religious education teachers that put something in this young boy, look today what's happened. I've preached around the world. I've led multitudes of people to Jesus. Jesus has used me to teach multitudes of people how to get out of debt by walking their covenant of tithing and God's financial system. Jesus has used me to influence people how to raise their kids, how to have a successful marriage, how to say no to fear and yes to faith, how to live right. But I look at the influence because those women... And that man back in those days, and so I say that to put it on you where you are right now, you adults, don't ever think, don't ever think you don't have time for these kids. Don't ever think that, boy, I'm so tired. Well, if you're so tired, go to bed earlier. Don't work as long or something. Save some strength because you don't know what you're doing for the future. And God said you're seeking first the kingdom when you have that influence. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. You know, I praise God that my widowed grandmother, with all the grandkids that were in the family, took the time to do what she could to get all those kids to go to Sunday school. What she, you know, the influence she had. And you grandmas, man, don't ever give up. Let's give a hand for the grandmas. Amen. And so, Mrs. Pastor and I can relate to the times you're living in now. All you young parents, all all, all the homeschooling you're doing, and all the shuffle around you're doing right now, we had a total of eight children. We had eight. And so for the first 11 years of marriage, I was a truck driver, and I preached a little as God opened the doors. Then in 1992, we pioneered a church And in 1993, I left trucking for the full-time ministry. And I'm saying that to say this. We are not just a couple of religious people They get up here because we're a couple of religious people, and this is what we do. Nothing's changed in how I live or what I say since I was born again January 29, 1980. We are still doing the same thing we did when I was a truck driver. We're putting the kingdom of God first. Except now, our life's More of a a glass house where we're on on display, where people look at us more than they did back then. But we haven't changed what we do. We're still doing exactly what we did before we were preachers. And so as a Christian truck driver, and stay-at-home mom, we did what we do in full-time ministry. Our entire life and marriage has always revolved around going for the expansion of God's kingdom. And what am I doing? We're living in troubled times. But what has it not been troubled times? Except it's kind of amplified right now because we're in end times. And the Bible in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, in the Epistles warned us about end times. Right before Christ comes back, it's told us lots of things are going to happen. And man, I don't want to highlight on those because you don't even have to read the Bible to see what's happening. Although the Bible told us thousands of years ago what was going to happen, it's actually happening now. But I want to tell you this. The kingdom of God hasn't changed. And if you will learn the principles of the kingdom we're talking about and put the kingdom principles first in your life, then the kingdom of God within you will change things around your house. Amen. And so our children never got neglected. We always, before we were pastors and after we were pastors, Live Matthew 6 33. And we included them in everything we did. And they got to grow up enjoying sports, computers, and games that were available 30 some years ago. How many know that I say this with total love and respect? My son Josh is our computer geek. He's the guy. I remember that started. Back back in the uh probably, I guess maybe early nineties, probably probably the early nineties. We were down at Sears and Roebuck in Indianapolis buying Christmas stuff, and I saw that they had these new things out called Sega. And I remember we saw the way Josh liked to do things like that, so we thought, well, we get some of this Sega stuff. Man, I got so tardy hearing that. Sega. And then they and then and, and then they had Maha 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 Mah- Mah- Muhammad Ali on there, some boxing game they'd played on I walked through the room I here. I'm so pretty, I'm so pretty, bam, bam, bam. But anyway, anyway, we got things, and I'm so glad we were able to step into this new computer age, and Josh was able to start doing those, and David, and and the kids got to start doing those things. Look at it now, what it's done for the ministry of Jesus Christ. But what I'm saying is this, we were fanatics, and didn't hurt our kids, it helped our kids. What's a fanatic? Well, the first word in fanatic is F-A-N, fan. How many here you don't even have to raise your hand, have ever been a sports fan of any kind of fanatic? You know, I saw I saw Jesse Montenegro today wearing his Dodgers shirt. I know that Jesse Jesse's a Dodgers Dodgers fanatic, There's nothing wrong with that. He's a Dodgers fan. And people know he's a fanatic. And then we got people that are that are football fanatics. We got people that are basketball fanatics. Well that's all a Christian fanatic is. They're a fan of Jesus Christ. If you're a fan of Jesus Christ, why can't you wear the Dodgers shirts like he wears, except they're Jesus shirts? And a lot of you do. Why can't you hoop and holler when we have your main event, which is church? You go to the Dodgers games, you go to the Pacers games, or the, what's that Los Angeles basketball team? I don't even follow sports. What are they called? Lakers. You go, you go to those sports games. Man, they get so loud and rowdy, and they stump, and they shout, and they whistle, and they holler, and they sing. And I know not want a baseballs about the most sport I ever watch. I, I see those baseball modern baseball games, they get all kinds of paint on them now, man. They paint them up and look really weird and strange. And if you're going to be a Jesus fanatic, why don't you be enough fanatic that the world knows it? Amen. Amen. And, you know, I think about that, that we were fanatics in the way we've lived. And our children do not get hurt for it. Well, don't, aren't you afraid you're going to warp the little minds by being at church all the time? Well, your little kids' minds are warped, man. They're on drugs. They're thugs. They fight. They steal. They go to jail. They're depressed. And all the things that happen, I think that's the warped minds. My kids' minds have been renewed to the Word of God. My grandchildren's minds are renewed to the Word of God. They're fans for Jesus. And I think about, I think about something that I, I don't know if anybody in this church does this, but we made sure we never did it. Well, you know, when they, when we're going to let them, let them make their own choice. We're going to let them make their own choice of what they want to do. And so if we get up on Sunday morning, the little darling stayed up till four o'clock in the morning playing on the internet and say, do we have to go to church today? We say, no, we don't ever have to go to church. We get to go to church. We never, ever, ever, ever said, you have to go to church today. Our kids, I don't think they ever even thought it, anything different. Because from the time they were in the womb, and they heard us outside the womb talking, you know your baby's inside and you can hear you talking. When they were in there, all they ever knew was Jesus and church, Bible, praying, Christian life. And so when they got out, they just started walking out what they did on the inside anyway. They were around church things. And so our kids, as far as I know, never said, do we have to go. And if they would have ever said it, we would have said, no, we get to go. We get to go to church because a lot of people in the world can't go to church because they get persecuted for it and go to prison and things. And so anyway, I'm just telling your parents, like I said, I can show you how to make the cake. You have to do a thing exactly how we did. That was our icing on the cake. That's how we lived it. That's how we talked it. That's what we said. But you've got to have the basic ingredients. You leave anything out, then just think about the chocolate cake in Ukraine. Man, that thing looks pretty, but what is this cardboard? You got to have the ingredients. You got to be a church person, a serious church person. You got to be a tither. You got to serve at all these things if you want a good cake that's going to be tasty that people like. Amen. And so, I, w- I want you to look at Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. We're talking about the kingdom of God never changes, but it changes things. Matthew 24:35. It's really a great end times chapter if Jesus tells us about things in the last days. But he gets up to 35 when he's telling you about the last days. And he says this. I'm watching for the screen to change. He says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And so the same Bible that gave Mrs. Pastor and I faith to overcome many hard times and trials 30, 40 years ago is the same Bible we're teaching you today. And, you know, I, I think about it. I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago about times we went through. Back in the early 1980s, Teamsters Trucking, I was a Teamsters Truck driver, took a real hit to where a lot of truck driving jobs got lost and they were hard to get. And I remember one year in particular, we got our Social Security statement back in W-2 things, things like that, for that year, and that would have been about 19, probably about 1985. So at that time we had about... Uh, Probably five kids, didn't have eight yet. My income that year, for the whole year, was $6,500. And the first 10% went to God for a tithe. My ex-wife got the first $100 off of that. And guess what? Here we are. We overcame. We never compromised the tithe one time. God got the tithe. He got 10%. Every week, every week, God got 10%. And my ex-wife, she got probably 30%, 40%. And I'm not saying that mean or vindictive. That's just the way it was. That was a fact. We had to live with it. Did that. But my family lived because we sought the kingdom of God first. And all these things ran down to us. Amen. I'm just telling you how it works. The same Bible, these words don't change. Heaven or earth pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Word of God will never change. And so, you know, think about this. I was going to give you a challenge. I made the choice years ago, and we went through so many things. I want to tell you what. People that become officers in the army of God have been in the trenches first of all on the front lines we've overcome a lot of battles we've lost some we've won some but we've learned what to do better and better and better and so I learned a long time ago the integrity of God's word that if God's word in multiple places promised me something that God wanted me to have wanted me to do that's why we hold it up so I can have I can do what I I am who he says I am. I learned that if God says, for example, tither, he says, the windows of heaven are opened on tithers, I rebuke the devourer. Well, I've learned if I was going through a crisis, and on this end, it didn't look like it was working, I know the kingdom of God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. Jesus is the same. Yesterday and forever, I would always look up to heaven. I'd say, Father, I know. Here's what you say. Here's what's happening, and I know there's never a problem on your end because you're not going to change. So if there's a problem, it has to be on my end, and I've got to change. So, Lord, what do I need to do or not do so this come to pass in my life? You said the windows of heaven are open on me as a tither. You're rebuking the devourer, but obviously there's something somewhere blocking off what you want to do. And so God changes not. And so he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to be not conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In Isaiah 55, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He said, My thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. And so I've got to change my way of thinking to light up with the Word of God and then my way of living to light up with the Word of God. And when I do, the kingdom of God within me We'll allow God to open the windows of heaven like he said he would. We'll allow God to rebuke the devourer like he said he would. And so the whole bottom line of what I just said is this. God's not going to change. His word's not going to change. So if there's a problem, you got to change. And that's what that man was talking about over there that day. He said, you put the responsibility on us and take it off of God. Well, that's true. God wants you blessed. So if you're not blessed, it's not because God doesn't like you. He loves everybody just the same. He has no favorites. We're all favorites. You know, matter of fact, I'll tell you something that I, I think is kind of, kind of cute, but it's real. If you've been around a while, you've read the Old Testament, they fought the Malachites and the, all the differentites and differentites and all the different Jebusites and Goofyites and all those people, which we still fight them today, I guess. But anyway, all thoseites there, uh, Pastor Boris Mott was preaching in our church one time and made this statement. He said, well, you got the Jebusites and you got the Malachites. He said, I'm a favorite. And so I'm anite too. I'm one of God's favorites. And so every one of us is anite, but we're a favorite. Amen? And so you need to get that you your thinking. Anyway, in this word that he's been speaking to me lately for the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, nothing changes. The kingdom of God changes things. As believers, we have authority on earth to speak his name, his word, and stop demonic activity. To heal sickness and disease, and to break the curse of poverty <clears throat> in our lives and the lives of others. We have authority. And so I want to teach you specifically what Jesus taught me through my pastor <clears throat> and others over 40 years ago. And my wife and I built our life and family around this. And we've become, as we become pastors, we've just multiplied what we've always done. Because there's more people now being influenced. Look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And we're going to look at verse 18 to 20. And remember, put the kingdom of God first means you're going for the expansion of the kingdom. Matthew 28. Verse 18 to 20. This is how we've always lived. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, and, you know, if you've got a modern translation, it says authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And we're going to look at Mark 16 in a minute. But Jesus gave us the authority and the right to use his name. He said all of it. Is given unto me, but I give you. Go you therefore and teach, or the center column says in the Greek, make disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. If you've never been water baptized and you're born again, that's the number one thing, you need to be born again first. Then get on Pastor Dave's list to get baptized. And then it says, Teaches them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so Jesus said, we are accountable to teach others what we know. You can't teach what you don't know. You know, uh, I've been doing this longer than most of you. I've been doing it as my full-time lifestyle for a lot of years, so there's a possibility I might know a little more than you know. And so I might be able to teach something in a little more detail than what you can. Or maybe you don't know it yet, that's so why you're still coming, so you can learn it. But you do know something. And if all you know is John chapter 3, you must be born again, you can teach people you know how to be born again. Then if you've if you've progressed a little bit and you've learned things about the love walk, do it to others, you have others do unto to you, you could teach people. That don't know yet how to love other people how God wants them to. You can teach what you know. If you've learned, if you've learned about tithing and you're a tither and you've seen your finances turn around, well, when you see Christian friends that haven't been taught that yet, you could teach Christian friends to go to other churches how to take ten percent into their storehouse so God could turn it around. In other words, Jesus said part of the Great Commission is we're all called to teach something. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't pass along what you do know. I said, make disciples. And you know, that's one thing that our church always, always, always tries to do. Pastor Dave's had the spiritual training thing going for a couple years now. But we always, from the time that they're in the nursery, I don't know if you know or not, but in our nursery, they got little lessons they teach on baby level. And praise God for all the nursery teachers. We love you all and appreciate what you do. And then, and then in, the, in the little classes up to the youth classes, we're always making disciples. And what that means is that you don't just teach a lesson, but you role model in front of them how to live the lesson. And you'll be able to talk to them in practical terms how to put into real day's actions what it is they're learning, show them what to do. But that's putting the kingdom of God first. Jesus said, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. He said, make disciples and teach them. And what am I talking about? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God never changes. It changes things. Let me give you another example. How many you like these examples that help you see things? Well, I'll be glad to get down and walk around again. Follow me with the camera. <laughs> get, get an example of this. I saw, I saw this fresh this morning. The primary way... The primary way that the kingdom of God changes things in this natural world is through people. In my family, the Samples family, we didn't have a really good history of really good moral people in a lot of areas. I don't want to say a whole lot because I pray for my family that don't know Jesus yet to be watching things on the Internet now. So if they're watching, I'm not bad about them, the Samples family. I can talk about one Samples, though. I can talk about this saw of Tarsus. I was on the wrong road. I was on the only road I knew. And so, on the road I was on, living for the devil and not for Jesus, when I got born again and my life changed, that the kingdom of God in me has changed the world around me. I, at one point in time, uh, I had a brother. I've still got brothers. Got ones in heaven, but I have one of my brothers particularly, and i just say it again. My family wasn't Christian family. My family did a lot of not nice things. One time my brother was in a shotgun knife fight. This was, what, 35 years ago? Shotgun knife fight. We lived probably 60 miles away at least. And so I got a call from somebody, said so-and-so was in the hospital down at such a place, and said, he got, he got, he got stabbed in the stomach. And so, I don't know how many hours it was before we got down to that hospital. We got down there, and went to the hospital, and they just had him laying in a thing in a room there, no doctor working on him or anything. And said, we come to see Sosa, I'm his brother. And I wasn't a preacher yet. And so we walked into that room there, and he was laying there, and the doctors just said, there's nothing we can do for him, so we're just waiting for him to die. And so we walked in, and we laid hands on him, who had his insides all cut up with a knife. The other guy was shooting half a shotgun, and they had the knives and whatever, anyway. Through anyway, treat all the shotguns and the knives. He got cut up bad. We laid hands on him in the name of Jesus. He came out of there after one week. He's back in construction, building houses up on the things like that because Jesus healed him. If I had not received Jesus and had the kingdom of God in me, had the anointed God in me, instead of me taking anointed hands into that hospital to lay on him, I might have taken some mean hands and got guns and knives and went out the other way. You see how the kingdom of God changes things. You know, you, when you get into strife on your job and in your families, because somebody <clears throat> got the message of truth to you, and you got born again. I've seen jobs that I had, whole jobs changed because I was there. I'd have multitude of people, bad mouthing, the owners of the companies, the bosses of the companies, and everybody else, and I'd just quietly sit back and just go, thank you, Jesus. You said you bless all the work of my hand. <clears throat> this is where I'm at, Lord. I've got a family. I'm a tither. You told me, bring the tithe in the storehouse. So I'd have open windows of heaven. Lord, you said the steps of a good matter are ordered by the Lord. I'm on this job. And if I was on the job as a sinner, I would have jumped in. And I would have said, those mean owners, they're 200 miles away. They can't run this company. They don't know what's going on. I would have said, well, these mean bosses, they don't care about anybody but themselves. I would have started talking about how evil the company was. But instead... Because of the kingdom of God in me, it changed things. I remember that first company I was at after I was born again. They were supposed to lay off everybody and go out and go out of business. The truck was having rough times. I was number twelve on the seniority list, and they they had twenty some people at that time. And so they they said, "Hey, they're going to lay lay everybody off." And it started coming down. and Got down to number twelve. Got down to number fourteen. And I said, "I'll keep working. I can't get laid off. I'm a tither." Got down to number thirteen, and I said, "Up." Nope. Everybody said, "You're next. You're next. You're next." Got down to number twelve, and all of a sudden, the company from down in Tennessee that owned us up in Indianapolis decided they wanted to increase where we were and reroute freight to come through ours and call us a hub instead of just a terminal. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it got to number twelve and stopped. And then they hired 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It got to about 40 people. Don't tell me the kingdom of God doesn't change things. But you've got to operate the principles of the kingdom. And so, you know, one of the main principles of the kingdom of God is you watch what you say. And so if you're on a job, you know, this is a bunny trail now for somebody. If you're on a job, quit being a whiner. Start being a winner. If you want your company to turn around, if you're living for Jesus, God will use you to change that company. Amen. And you want me to tell you something else, too, that will help you then for what we're talking about? If we're talking about this, going for the expansion of God's family is the way you put the kingdom of God first, then those wicked sinners, I don't know about you, I used to be one, but those wicked sinners you work with are so evil then maybe you ought to start praying for them and loving them instead of getting mad at them. I don't know about you. I know about me. At one point in time, I was a pretty rotten guy to be around on the job. And I'll tell you what, there was one guy that was so afraid of me, he carried two guns. He carried a shoulder holster and had one in his boot. That's a true story. There was another guy I was witness to one time, come find out he was a Christian, but he was a closet Christian. And I said, true story. And I said to him one day, by the time I left that job, I'd led over 50% of the people in the office and on the dock to the Lord. I mean, I was a fanatic, still him. But anyway, I led a guy, the Lord, out there one day. And I come and said, well, how'd you, how did you how you know he's saved? Did you water baptize him? I said, there's no water on the dock. I said, Jesus said, you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I led him to a prayer of salvation. Now we'll get him to church and get him baptized. And then I said, by the way then, I said, how come you never witnessed to me? And the guy said, oh, I was afraid of you. I didn't think you could be saved. And I said, well, I wasn't as bad as Saul. I said, I never killed any Christians. Saul of Tarsus killed Christians. I didn't kill anybody. So what I'm saying is this. Don't you be afraid of how mean they look. The meaner they are, the harder they fall. And when they fall, if somebody's there with Jesus, they'll get back up. And instead of being your enemy, they'll be your friend. We're going to close with Mark 16. Talk about the kingdom of God changes things. Can you tell how the kingdom of God works? It changes things. You know, for our nation. Can you imagine what our nation would be like? If we had true born again Christian leaders in this government, not people that get religious at voting time, but people that live Christianity all the time. If we had, you know, I know that most of you are like me. You seek the wisdom of God in how to lead your family, don't you, better buddy here. You seek the wisdom of God about how to do your job better. You seek the wisdom of God about your finances. Think what it would be like if we had a good a good percentage of Christians that are real Christians that go to church, read their Bibles, that pray. If when it comes to making decisions for cities like Barstow, uh, for states like California, for the federal government, if we had people in there in the presidency, in the Congress, in the Senate, in the courts, in the city councils, that a majority of them said, Lord, I'm not in here because I just wanted to get a career in politics. I'm in here because I want to make a difference. What could I do, Jesus? Even if it's not to my betterment financially, what could I do, Jesus, to make this a better city? What do you want? What's your will, Lord, in our nation concerning foreign affairs? What's your will concerning health care, Lord? What's your will? If we had a majority of people doing that, can you how the kingdom of God would change this nation? That might be why he said First Timothy chapter, chapter 2 to first of all pray for those in authority. So Mark chapter 16, we'll read verse 15 to 20, then we'll close it down. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is the high desert part of God's world? Is the marine base part of that world? The fort? School system, Walmart, the railroad, wherever you're at, that's part of the world. Preach, preach, preach the gospel to everyone, unless they're like Bernie Samples was, too mean to get saved. That's what that guy told me. He said he thought I was too mean. I wasn't mean. I was a pretty nice sinner, really, most of the time. Unless I was higher drunk. Then I wasn't too good, but that, that was pretty good. Anyway, he that believeth that is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And as a, as a new Christian, the Lord told me that the whole world's already damned. That means they're condemned. They already are. So if we share the love of Jesus with them, and what it is to be a Christian, and how to be a Christian, all that's doing do is give them a chance to get out of that condemnation. So then he said, and here is the authority we've got. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore, and these signs shall follow preachers. These signs shall feste, especially follow big-time TV preachers. These signs shall follow who? Them that believe. Okay, I want to ask you a question. And this, this, is, this is so real, you've got to listen to this because it's really going to help you. Let me ask you a question. It's not a setup. I want you to raise your hand if you can answer this question in the affirmative. It's not a setup. I'm not going to call anybody out. Are you a believer in Jesus? (laughs) Okay, then Jesus just told you there's some authority that you have. The kingdom of God is in you. He said these signs follow you because you're a believer. And in my Bible, in my Bible, I've done this for years. Right beside that verse, I always write this. Jesus is talking about me because I believe. And you know why I say that? Uh, California's not quite as uh, religious as Indiana was. But in Indiana, there were a lot of religious people, and they said things like, that was for the twelve apostles, that's not for us. And so, what God taught me as a new Christian was this. If he wanted for the twelve apostles, since he was talking to them, he would have said, these signs shall follow you twelve and no more. But he's talking to the twelve and he recorded it for us. These signs follow them that believe, not just the twelve, but everybody else. For as long, as long as the earth's here, there's some things that believers can do. And actually, there's some things that believers should do. And there's these things a lot of believers I know do do, but that's why I'm a pastor and a teacher and puts a lot of people because God wants more people to know that they have the kingdom of, God in, kingdom of God in them, and they can change things around them. And so, as we look at these signs, they said shall follow. You notice the first thing he said, in my name shall they cast out devils or demons. In my name. How me one other story. Amen. You're not going to sleep, are you? Well, as I said, I got I got the old man anointing on me now. been around a while. I got my stories. You know, you hear these other old preacher stories. I got mine. I was not always a preacher up here. I used to be a, tr- a preacher that drove 18-wheelers. I was a preacher that worked on truck docks. And I remember, as a young Christian, I learned these verses that I had authority. And in my little truck dock world, the little dock I worked at, we had a little bitty break room. And we had about four tables there. the We' thing, little bit tables with chairs around them. At break time, we took our breaks. And other trucking companies sent things over to our dock, and we transferred it from their trailers to our trailers to send it to places. And we had this one guy that, man, this guy was a cussing machine. Man, I thought I could cuss, and I could. I'm a pretty good cusser. But have you ever been around somebody that every, every other word is the blank word? Blank this, blank that. And they, they cuss easier than they breathe. They can't open their mouth. Every other word they said really foul cuss words in front of women, kids, anybody, and they just cuss so much they don't even realize it. Well, on my teamster job, they really live by the contract. I got two breaks on a twelve hour on an eight hour shift on the dock. I got to take a ten minute break, then later on had a thirty minute lunch, then another ten minute break. And so it was really hot outside and humid. And we, they had the air conditioner cranked up good in there, so I got to come off that hot, sweaty dock for a few minutes. I wasn't flouting my religion because I wasn't religious. I was a disciple. And so I had a little New Testament Bible I carried in my pocket. And so for that 10-minute break, I sit down at my table, and everybody else is doing all their stuff they do. And all I do is sit there by myself, by my own business, reading my Bible, just read my Bible a little bit, eat a sandwich or something, and drink something. And, man, here comes Mr. Cussed Fit comes walking through the door and just yak it, yak the cuss and I could put up with all the talking but man it's kind of hard to read the Bible to hear that one word that you don't want to hear all the time and man just every other word that and I'm sitting there reading my Bible and I thought man I don't like that and so Jesus gave me authority over demons so all I said was devil I bind you in the name of Jesus when I operate through that man this is my room I'm in here this is mine. I bide you in Jesus' name. And this guy, this is the honest truth. That is freezing in that room. And all of a sudden this guy starts choking going, It's hot in here. i got to get outside. Well, it was freezing in there. It was hot outside. But I bowed the devil. The guy couldn't talk. He was living under the influence. Under the influence of what? An evil spirit. And so when that happened... There was another Christian in there that I talked to sometimes. He looked over at me and he said, I know what you did. (laughs) And the thing was, the thing was, the kingdom of God in me changed things. And so that man got out of the room and just a normal quiet room come in, people talking and doing their thing like that. But you've got to understand, there's people around you, they're not demon-possessed, but they're influenced. There's demon spirits everywhere. Matter of fact, Jesus called 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 Satan Beelzebub. And you look that up, that means Lord of the Flies. And so demon spirits are around like little flies. And you know, I'm not speaking spooky stuff. I'm preaching the Bible. Now we're the ones. Jesus said, You shall cast out demons. And so sometimes people are possessed, and you gotta get a little deeper. But a lot of times if there's things going on, somebody walks up to you for no reason. Betty goes in the Marine base. Oh, tip you say, Betty, you know what? I think you're the ugliest lady in this whole base. I don't like anything about you. I think you're stupid. I think you're dumb. And just yesterday, that person was her best friend. Well, somehow or another, that woman entertained a demon to get into her head. And so, best thing Betty can do, just say, well, you're tied to your own You Turn around and say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. And that woman to come back and say, I don't know why I said that. I don't know what got into me. And you just grin and say, it didn't get into you. It got on you and you yielded to it. But I took authority over it. So you cast out demons. It says, speak with new tongues. We do that. Uh, they shall take up serpents and they drink any deadly thing It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so the kingdom changes things. We as believers, in the name of Jesus, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to tell you something. I just want to give you another challenge. If you've been coming to this church very long, you know this. I want to ask you to stop and look back at the last week or two. Has there been any time in your life that you got attacked with some kind of sickness, pain or something? Somebody in your family or friend and the first thing you offered was aspirin or Tylenol? or told about some medication you were on, and it was the first thing you said, let me lay hands on you. Let's quit being so carnal. Let's start putting first things first. Let's start getting the hands out again. Let's start doing some laying on the hands, and then, if you want to tell them your favorite doctor, your favorite pill or other things, tell them. But first of all, first things first. Hands first, the other second. So then after they had sp- the Lord spoke to them, he's received up into heaven, set on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, and we're still preaching everywhere. Who's working with us? What's it say? The Lord working with them. Who's working with us? Lord, And what's he doing? Confirming the word with signs following. And so whatever, whatever it is that you're sharing from the Bible, If you're sharing from the Bible, it says that Jesus is right beside you. And Jesus is the one responsible for making it come to pass. You initiate the action, but he backs it up. Amen. Don't be afraid to tell them about him. Don't be afraid to to pray for him. Don't be afraid to speak the name of Jesus into their situation. And Jesus will back you up. The kingdom of God, it never changes. But the kingdom of God... Does change things, but we are the ones that are citizens of the kingdom, and we've got to do our part. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.